the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and began with this scripture. He told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. Good morning, Advent Hope. Uh, it is good to see you all again. Um, just as a shameless plug, I hope you all have been tuning into uh, our IG, our Instagram page. Um, we've been running that uh, for some weeks now, since December. And if you haven't been following, please do Advent Hope. Um, at Advent Hope is our handle. And um, you can keep updates on what we've got going on, um, uh, announcements. Uh, you can engage with us answer questions. Um, I, I'm the one behind the scenes of that. So drop me a message. And if you would like to be featured for our Testimony Tuesdays, um, that would be awesome. All we need is a selfie and a couple of words from you. But if you're interested, you can check out what the other Testimony Tuesdays have looked like on the page and drop me a DM. So just a little uh, plug for you guys to stay connected with us throughout the week. But this morning, our message is entitled, Witnessing, Look Higher, Think Bigger. Look Higher, Think Bigger. My introduction to um, witnessing and uh, evangelism was kind of a crash course. I left high school um, and headed to uh, Michigan State University for my undergrad and um, I had planned to leave all of my religious upbringing behind, but God, praise the Lord, had other plans. And I ended up being a part of a student group, and we did, we were very active on campus. And what I realized through all of my um, uh, Bible studies and planning events and organizing and scheduling was that while God was developing my spiritual walk, he was actually doing a lot more than that. 
And in recent years, I've come to realize that witnessing and telling people about Jesus, uh, I was looking at it too small. I needed to look higher and think bigger. Look higher and think bigger. And we're going to unpack that throughout this message. Look higher and think bigger. Uh, for context, we're in Acts chapter 8 and what's going on right now is there is persecution towards the Christians. And at that point, I don't believe they were called Christians. They were called people of the way, right? And um, we get introduced to Saul, who is a young man persecuting God's people. And uh, we then, the, the camera then transitions in scenery to uh, Philip the apostle, who is in Samaria witnessing and preaching. And all of a sudden, he gets pulled from Samaria and is called to go elsewhere, which is where we pick up our passage in verse 26. It says this, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. Now pause there. It says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, question for you, who is arranging this meeting that's about to take place? We must know that every genuine effort of witnessing is initiated by God and carried out by members of the kingdom of heaven. Okay, It says, an angel of the Lord said to Philip. Philip is communicating with angels. Anytime an angel visits earth, just know that God sent them every single time. The kingdom of heaven is a whole network of thousands of angels, of angelic beings, and they too play a part in the salvation of humanity, of man. The angel, which angel, the word angel simply means messenger, is a servant of God from heaven. And he comes to Philip, who is also a messenger, right, or a witness, but a servant of God on earth. And he tells him, the messenger from heaven, go rise and go south. It's interesting because God sends his messengers from heaven to communicate with his messengers on earth. And in fact, in fact, sometimes God actually comes himself, right? Both angels and humans, we both receive uh, orders or instructions from God. And when God initiates a mission, it's meant to be carried through by members of his kingdom, which includes not just angels, but human beings, you and me. And, or we could rather say anyone who is connected to heaven's network, right? People like Philip, right? People like you and me. And so when it comes to witnessing, this is why I say we've been thinking too small. Why have we been thinking too small? Because we only think about witnessing uh, in the context of our small realm, of ourselves, we only see what's in front of us. We think that doing God's errands is inconvenient for our life to call this sister here or visit this brother there. 
all the while navigating our busy schedules. It's just inconvenient. Witnessing doesn't fit into my plans. And it's even the word evangelism, uh, <laughs> it, it has this, this, to me, a negative connotation to it because we always think of it as an event. But here's the difference between evangelism and witnessing or what we know to be evangelism. Witnessing is not simply what you do. Witnessing is who you are. You are a living witness. If you are a child of God, your existence alone tells people that there is a God in heaven. Our, and, and our existence as a witness is not inconvenient, right? Witnessing becomes not an errand that you run, but it becomes a life that you live simply because of who you are, a living witness. We have to think bigger about witnessing and about ministry altogether. In fact, the only thing that is small in terms of this operation of, of soul saving or salvation is the role that you and I play. <laughs> and notice what the beginning of verse 27 says. It says, and he rose and went. Philip had one job, obey. That's all he had to do. God has given every born again child of God one job, go. The job is to go and it's a small job. It's a small job in comparison to what heaven is doing uh, uh, on behalf of, of the globe, right? Of the universe. Without any questions asked, uh, without any hesitation, Philip rises and makes his way to the desert, right? Because he realized God is actually the one doing all the heavy lifting. He just goes. And I think about the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot and how two angels specially sent by God come to Lot and they tell him, Lot, the city is going to be destroyed. Get your family and get out specially delivered, specially sent messengers to Lot specifically. And you know what he did? He hesitated. He lingered. because And because of his hesitation and lingering, his wife began to doubt the seriousness of the matter. And she looked back and she became a pillar of salt. But here's my encouragement to you today about witnessing, about moving on the commands of God. Don't hesitate. Stop lingering. When it comes to the business of heaven, we have got to stop hesitating as the people of God. When it is clear that God has called us to do something, every time that we hesitate, every time that we wait, doubt and fear set in. The longer you wait to execute something you know God has told you to do, the less likely you are to do it. We must act immediately and immediately sounds like Abraham about to offer his son Isaac on an altar. In the evening, God gave Abraham this message. Go and take your son, your beloved son, your only son Isaac, the one that you love, and go and offer him as a sacrifice on Mount Moriah. And without hesitation, the next morning, immediately Abraham was packed and ready to go. We have one job, 
obey. Obey and act immediately. Philip could have asked, what's out in the desert? Why am I going there? Shouldn't I stay in Samaria? We're having so much success here. But the reason why more Christians in our day and age don't do more for the kingdom of God like we see in the scriptures or like we see in, in past times is because we're too busy hesitating. We're too busy thinking of how it will impact ourselves. We need to look higher and think bigger. Start that nonprofit that's been on your heart. Go knock on your neighbor's door. You've been thinking about it. I know you have. Call that friend from high school you haven't talked to in a while to check up on her. And yes, it's always been time for you to make time to read your Bible. If you're thinking about it, those are promptings from the Holy Spirit. Do it. Don't hesitate. Don't waste time. For God to invite humans to be a part of his kingdom, he's actually inviting us into something something that is divine, right? It's a divine way of life. It's a divine way of service, a divine way of worship, which we rarely see on earth. It's an invitation to work with a universal network. It's an invitation to take orders and instructions directly from God himself. God who formed the cosmos, who created the world, stops and takes time to give you instructions on your way. And that's powerful. God is giving us an invitation to look higher and to think bigger. The focus of witnessing has never been on you and me. And I think we forget that a lot of times. It has always been on God and his plan to reach the world with this message of good news, a crucified and risen savior. We think too much of ourselves and the real pressure of witnessing actually rests on the shoulders of God, not you. We've got to look higher. We've got to think bigger. The book of the Acts of the Apostles, it actually does a great job of pulling back the curtains and showing the behind the scenes network of everything that's being directed, um, of the actions of the apostles, why they did this, why they went here. And it shows us why they were so passionate about that. And, and when, I, uh, when I think about that kind of behind the scenes illustration, it reminds me of some of these talk shows, even a, a music video, but specifically a talk show where the host will give their guest uh, an in-ear, an in-ear mic, and, and they'll be feeding them instructions from another part of, uh, of the building. And they'll say, okay, laugh awkwardly now. <laughs> and they'll ha ha, and, 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 and they'll be feeding these directions from backstage. Well, in kind of the same light, God does the same thing for us when we witness on his behalf. He gives us these instructions from backstage that other people can't see, and then you carry out the act. We actually get the privilege to work and be in connection with God on high. And so these apostles, Philip, he was looking higher. He was taking order from uh, taking orders from beings in a completely different dimension, right? And because of this, because they understood where their instructions and direction were coming from, they were able to endure everything that came to them on earth, right? The obstacles, the persecution, because they realized 
that their mission was bigger. They realized that the mission was not about themselves. Now, <clears throat> let's look at verse 27, the rest of 27 and 28. It says in Philip, and he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Kandake. Okay, we say Candace, which is incorrect, but the actual pronunciation is Kandake, and that means queen. So it says queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. I want you to take this one and put it in your pocket. God was working in Africa before it was colonized by Christians. Christians. <laughs> Let me say that one more time. God was working in Africa before white missionaries came and took over. If you think Africa was void of God before white missionaries came in later centuries, this is where we need to pause, right? We need to stop and we need to think bigger. Why? <laughs> because God has the whole world in his hands. And this plan of salvation to save the globe it doesn't rest on human beings, it rests on God. So it would be God that would reach out first to every nation, to every tongue, to every tribe, and to every people. God was there before anyone else got there. God was working everywhere. And I want us to know this too. In every culture, um, in every space, there are wise men. There are people who are connected to the divine, people who are connected to God, people who have wisdom, people who see revelations, right? And the fact that we neglect to see the bigger picture of God's working on behalf of humanity is a lot of times why our witnessing fails. Our vision is too narrow. Uh, this kind of self-focused perspective that God needs us to do something is ridiculous, right? God is not like a statue idol, right? He can do more for himself, right? He can do more than feed himself. And we're the ones that need God, right? It's for our best interest that we work on behalf of the kingdom of God and not the other way around. And this thought is, is for Christians or people who feel like they're burdened when they're called to do some sort of business for God, right? Think about Elijah. He, he goes up to, to Mount Carmel and he kills all of the prophets of Baal. They have this big worship session. He proves that God, the God of heaven is God. And then as soon as everything's over, he flees for his life because Jezebel threatens to kill him. And he goes in this space and he's like moping and complaining. He's like, oh, Lord, I'm the only one you have left, you know, blah, blah, blah. And God puts a reality check on him and basically says, think bigger, Elijah think bigger. He says, I have hundreds who have not bowed the knee to Baal. You're not the only one. <laughs> think bigger. And this man, this eunuch, this Ethiopian eunuch that worked as a treasurer in the courts of, of this Black uh, Ethiopian queen is visited by this man who's most likely a fisherman, right? <laughs> We don't know too much about Philip's background, but we assume that he probably was a, a fisherman. And God sends a fisherman to speak to this high court official. 
And in reality, being a servant of the most high God is a higher title than any other earthly title one can receive or one can have. Let me say that one more time. Being a servant of the most high God is a higher title than any other earthly title one can have. This is why the prophets and, and people like Daniel and Moses, they didn't have any fear walking before kings or delivering good or bad news, right? Because they understood where their marching orders were coming from, a completely different dimension, greater than any earthly throne or earthly kingdom. And being a servant of heaven is a greater mission. It's a greater responsibility. It's a greater calling than any earthly king can have. And if you don't think so, that's precisely why I say, look higher and think bigger. The reason why the people of God don't think so is because we always put earthly duties before our spiritual ones. Being a servant of God makes you valuable and it makes the scope of your influence vast, right? Philip was a fisherman and now he's ministering to a head official in the court of a queen. You may not be considered valuable on earth, especially if you look around you uh, or, or look at the times, right? Yeah, society may not value you. Your socioeconomic status could put you uh, uh, in a place where people uh, uh, don't appreciate you or despise you. You may not even be considered valuable in your family, right? But to God, you're valuable. You're a pearl of great price. And God is the only one that knows how to use valuable vessels in the best way. And in fact, after he uses them, they're better off than when they started, right? They're more polished. They're more sanctified. They shine brighter. Had Philip continued to live his life the way he was before meeting Christ, right? I'm sure this story in the Bible of Acts chapter eight would have had a different character. God would have called someone else who would have obeyed. But he had the privilege of reaching a high official in a completely who was going back to a completely different continent. And the Bible says that if we're obedient, if we're wise, we'll stand before kings, we'll stand before great men. We have to look higher and think bigger. Look at verse, uh, the latter half of 28. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Notice, he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning. Not only had God been working in Africa, God was already working on this man in particular. God had already beat Philip there. Most of the work was already done. So by the time Philip answers the call and obeys and goes, what ends up happening is <laughs> the man responds. In fact, he invites Philip. And all across the globe, there are seekers, there are wise men and women, there are people who perceive and understand wisdom when they hear it. Wisdom understands wisdom, it responds to it. And God was already preparing the heart of this Ethiopian eunuch. God beat him there. I remember in college, our next door neighbors, uh, her name was uh, Denise and she was from China. 
and we we figured we would befriend her myself and my roommate and we would have dinners together her and her roommate and she ended up being very curious about christianity and we shared a lot with her but one day she said she had traveled back home to china and when she came back she told us this story the gentleman on her flight uh gave her his own personal bible i said wow <laughs> Here we were thinking that we were doing part of the work, right? But God had already orchestrated and had already planned. God had already been there. God had already arranged for Denise's story, right? And long story short is years later, she ended up sending me a letter from a Bible college uh, sharing about her studies. I have to reach out to her and find out what happened. But God was already there. The story is not about me or the Christian who gave his Bible. The story is about how God orchestrated those events and we went. But look at verse 29. It says, and the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. Hold on a second. It says, the spirit said. So now he was first talking to angels <laughs> or angels were talking to, to Philip. And now God himself is speaking to Philip, right? Says the spirit said, my question to you, when was the last time you heard the voice of God? What if there was a way you could be so connected with heaven that the spirit can tell you something and you move? And this was immediate too. This wasn't like, there was no waiting period. There was no like dear Jesus intro, right? This was direct and immediate direction. And people ask, how come we don't experience those same type of things today? And so I respond to that with a question and say, if God spoke to you in the way that he spoke to Philip, would you be ready to, to obey? First, and then, and then let's, let's reel that back some more. Can you even hear God when he speaks to you? Would you even recognize it was God speaking to you, right? And also, what, what business of heaven do you do on a daily basis, right, that God would need to speak with you? Sometimes God is so removed from our minds, we're so busy going about everything else in our lives, we wouldn't even recognize God's voice if we heard it. We are very, as humans, self-sufficient. We're able to do everything ourselves. We don't need help. We rarely take advice for simple matters of life. But here's some advice. Let's start trying to hear the voice of God, right? The Sadducees, uh, um, they, had, they had this belief that the resurrection there didn't exist. It wasn't real. And so in Matthew 22, Jesus has this conversation with them and they approach Jesus with this concern. And he says, well, first of all, you're making a huge error because you, one, don't know the scriptures and two, you don't know the power of God. But then he follows it up and he says, have you not read that which was spoken to you by God. So basically all of the scriptures that had been written, that was the way that God was communicating to them. And he said, have you not read that which was spoken to you? And so when was the last time that you've read the word of God, that you've allowed God to speak to you in that way? And many, of course, have a desire and they say, well, I don't know how. How do I get connected? How do I, how do I hear? How do I tune into the channel of heaven, right? And it starts by investing in quiet time with God. 
and doing those things that after you've read, after you spent some time in prayer, you feel impressed to do, right? It's, hmm, I feel impressed to, to speak to, to this person today. I feel impressed to donate here. I feel impressed to do. And as you continue to follow and obey those promptings of the spirit, you'll be surprised where God leads you. Look at verse 30. It says, so Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Wow. Unless someone guides me, he said, won't understand. If God has redeemed you, he has made you a guide to help others experience the same thing. You become a guide for seekers. You become this living witness to those who need to see, right? You become this guidepost for people who've lost their way. You become this human uh, arrow, human arrow of direction that points people up, that tells people to look higher and think bigger. And as the world becomes more chaotic and people's lives more turbulent, people are going to be looking for answers. And that's where the Phillips come in. That's where you come in. And that's where I come in, right? And God sends us on missions uh, all over, right? The desert lands of NYC, or the desert lands of Florida or California or wherever it is. But God's people must begin to look higher, look to him and think bigger of the plan of salvation. In the book, Heavenly Places, uh, Miss White says, professed Christians keep all together too near the lowlands of earth. Their eyes are trained to seeing only commonplace things and their minds dwell upon the things their eyes behold. Their religious experience is often shallow and unsatisfying and their words are light and, and valueless. How can such reflect the image of Christ? How can they send forth the bright beams of the sun of righteousness. And I know what some people are saying right now. <laughs> My life is not in order. <laughs> it's not, right? I know that. We know that. I know all of our lives. None of our lives are perfect. None of our lives are in order. And this is what I would say. Stop. Stop looking at yourself. We're doing it again, right? We're thinking too small. It's not about you. Your first job is to look up, look higher. First, connect with heaven. And once you're connected, once you're on heaven's channel, once you're able to take instruction, God will take care of the rest. God will take care of the rest. But let's not skip this little point that once the Ethiopian eunuch began speaking with Philip, he invited him to come up and sit with him. Consider every invitation to study the Bible or talk about God with someone as a divine appointment, as something that was divinely orchestrated by the workings of heaven. The invitation that they give says they've already been engaging with God, whether they know it or not. It's our job to follow that up. That's where we come in. And the other thing, the best guides are the ones that are closest to you, the ones in proximity. Notice he said, come up here and sit with me. 
come see what I'm what I'm looking at. Come see my perspective. Come see the world from my eyes. Understand how I'm viewing. And that's why even Jesus came down from heaven. Incarnate, right? It's hard to be an effective witness if you don't allow people to get close to you, right? It's, it's, it's more difficult to witness to an, in, to an individual from a distance. And we're not able as humans to assess needs uh, correctly or accurately. But let's finish this reading off from verse 32. Let's see what happens. Now, the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and they baptized him and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. Advent Hope, how can we look higher and think bigger when it comes to assessing the needs of our community? What would God have us do in Manhattan, I mean, it's COVID, so we're all scattered a little bit, but how can we unite with the network of heaven, right? And channel in there. What is the mission that will afford us the privilege, right? Of working so closely with God and the angelic host. And what does that look like today? Do we need to have financial freedom classes? Do we need to tutor low-income families? What is our ministry? Do we need to, to provide ministry to immigrant communities? Do we need to be allies of, of abuse victims? Do we need to be advocating for justice, justice reform in society? Whatever our mission is today, we have to make sure our marching orders come from heaven, right? From on high. And as an individual, your witness our eyes need to be open, right? They need to be tuned. We need to look higher and think bigger. Amen? Amen.